All right, so we're walking through mainly 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 today. Uh, we're talking through the duties of elders, and it says part 2 there. So if you missed last Sunday, that's okay. You don't have to necessarily know part 1 to understand part 2. Uh, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to what Dustin taught on that last week. Uh, if you're new with us, you've kind of come uh, at a unique time. Uh, for the most part, we're usually walking passage by passage through books of the Bible, things like that together. But you've come at a time almost like a... Uh, almost like an in-house conversation about uh, what the Scripture says about eldership, leadership in the local church, and their duties and things along those lines. So you've kind of you've come at a unique time as we do that, okay? So let's read chapter 5, verse 1 through 4 of 1 Peter. And I'm going to pray for us and we'll dive right in, okay? Chapter 5, verse 1. The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can open your word. And God, I ask for your help. God, you told us to be careful how we hear your word, the manner in which we hear it. God, you said, let not many be teachers. So we should be careful how we teach. And God, you told us to do all these things and to do it in the ability that you supply. So God, please help us supply us with the ability today, this morning, as we open your word. Please, God, supply me with the ability to explain and open and apply your word. Please, God, Help all of us supply us with the ability to hear Your Word and to understand and to glory in You, Lord Jesus, where we see You exalted. We need Your help, God. Let this time not be in vain. But let this be another another piece of the puzzle, God, where You're taking this church, You're taking Grace Community Church, and You're building us up into a people that worship You, to a people that obey You, a people that... Make disciples of all the nations. God, let this just be another piece in that puzzle, another another link in that chain. Help us, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So we've been right in the middle of talking about these things, about uh, church. You know, a few months back, we, we talked through some things about the church, period. And then uh, these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about church leadership, and we'll have one more week of that next week. It'll be a little different, not necessarily elders and pastors as we've been talking through, but through deacons next week. So this week, here's what I, here's what I hope you are already convinced of. And what I, mean, what I mean by convinced, I mean Bible convinced. This is what I hope you're already Bible convinced of, that there should be leaders in the local church. Okay, I hope you're... Bible convinced that there should be leaders in the local church as we've gone through this over the last couple of weeks. I hope you're convinced that those leaders should be a group of men 
a plurality of men who are called elders, pastors, or overseers. You could call me the one. Those are synonymous. Elders, pastors, overseers. A group of men who lead in the local church. I hope you're Bible convinced of that. I hope you're convinced that, <clears throat> that these men must be raised up by God and they must meet specific certain qualifications to meet this role, okay? And you see those in 1 Timothy chapter 3. You see those in Titus chapter 1. I hope you're convinced that they must meet these qualifications as we've talked through these things, okay? And I hope you're also convinced from last week when Dustin taught that a major role, the major role of this group of men called elders or this group of men called pastors, that their major role is to feed the flock of God, to feed the church with the Word of God mainly through expositional preaching of the Word of God. Now, if you weren't here for that, or you're not sure about that statement I just made, I would really encourage you. I can't re-preach what Dustin preached, but I would encourage you to go back and, and go online and listen to that, uh, that teaching that Dustin gave. I think even in the next week or so, I'm going to get a group together that uh, has not gotten a chance that they weren't able to be here, and we're going to listen through that together and talk over it. But So I hope you're convinced of these things that I've just mentioned to you, okay? Today, I want to focus on another major role of elder pastors, okay, of pastors in the local church. I want to focus on another, another major role, and here's what it is. It's shepherding. It's this, what we just read in 1 Peter 5.2, shepherd the flock of God, okay? It's what's in Acts 20, verse 28, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Shepherd her is the command right there. Now, technically speaking... What Dustin taught on last week with teaching, and what I'm talking about in shepherding are actually in one, okay? Teaching the Word of God is a major way that leaders shepherd the flock, okay? So technically, that's true. But what I want to do is I want to focus on that part, that part of shepherding from elders. I want to focus on that part of shepherding that is life on life with the flock. That's knowing the flock. That's real care and concern for every member of the church. I want to talk about that, that piece of shepherding, this personal instruction for the flock. It's counseling. It's correcting members of the flock or dealing with sin in our midst. It's weeping with those who weep. Rejoicing with those who would rejoice. Laboring alongside in the mission of God that we're on. Going after those sheep that go astray. Living life together with the flock. That's the aspect of shepherding that I want to go after. Now this has been a very neglected thing. In our day, I believe, but not only in our day. In, in centuries past, there's been neglect over and over again. You can, you can read different authors about these things as centuries ago, Puritans and the like. And you can read about this neglect that's gone down of this sort of shepherding. where you are in the life of the flock, okay? In fact, I'll present one thing to you. There's a guy named uh, Richard Baxter. He wrote a book called The Reformed Pastor. Anybody, I recommend it for anybody that's uh, looking towards church leadership at some point, and then anybody who's not, I recommend the book. So, that's everybody if you didn't catch that. I recommend this book. It says, The Reformed Pastor. And what it's getting at is in his time, he saw this neglect. The church leaders, they would neglect this role of being in the lives of these people, being in the lives of the flock, and shepherding in that sort of way where you confront sin and you help People, you have to sheep grow into maturity, protect from wolves, these sort of things where you're weeping with those who weep, this sort of thing. And he saw it as neglected. And he came against it hard in that book. That whole book, that whole book is an explanation of Acts chapter 20, verse 28, 
where we're called to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Just a little um, neat thing about that guy and about that book, Richard Baxter. Um, in his day, he was the leader. He was, and I'm pretty sure the sole leader, the only leader of a flock that was 800 families. Okay? Now, if you read that book, he saw that as unbiblical. He said, I can't shepherd this flock of 800 families. Not people, but 800 families. He said, this is impossible. How am I going to do this? But he knew that was an unbiblical, unbiblical thing and that he, had not, he was not able to do his job to the degree he wanted to. And yet, you read about his life, and this is a guy from the 1600s, okay? And he sets apart this thing to where every Monday and Tuesday, he would meet with 15 to 16, 15 to 17 families in his church. And about a month ahead, he set out, he set out this catechism where there's these questions about theology and doctrine and he, he they would they would have to memorize and these sort of things he would send out ahead and he would show up and he would have this pattern of meeting with all 800 families all these people in his flock at least once a year to to dig into their lives about where their souls are and to dig into them and what they know about these doctrines so that makes sense so that's a man going after it okay and feeling the weight of what he's supposed to do in shepherding knowing that he wishes he wasn't over 800 families so that he only got to do that once a year, okay? But this is, so I'm saying that to say this is not a new thing, okay? This is not a new neglect. It's neglected in our culture, but it's not a new neglect, okay? So the question is why? As we, we get ready to go into 1 Peter chapter 5. Ask the question, why? Why does this, this, this uh, part of shepherding from elders, from leaders in the local church, why does it seem to be so neglected? And I'll give you just a few reasons. They're there on your study guide, Okay? One reason may be this, misunderstandings about the roles of elders, pastors, misunderstandings about the roles of elders, okay? If you think they're just board members that, that do business meetings, but they're not in the souls of the people that they shepherd, then they're going to neglect that, that task. Or if a pastor's only role is to teach the word publicly week in and week out, then you're going to miss this role. Well, if you think an elder's role, they're just a CEO leader of a big business called the church. And they're never, they have no idea how to get in and shepherd the souls of people to heaven and to maturity in Christ. And if, these, if, the, if your mindset about the role of these people is off, then you'll tend to neglect this piece of shepherding where you're in the lives of the flock. A second thing may be this, a lack of real concern or real care. Let me read this verse to you. You don't have to flip there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20. Listen. I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. So here's Paul who says in 2 Corinthians 11, this deep concern I have for all the churches. Who's weak and I'm not weak? Deep concern that he has. And he says, I can't find anybody who has a sincere concern for your state, church at Philippi. And so maybe part of the reason why this will be neglected is because people walk into leadership at times and there's a lack of a real, deep, heartfelt concern and burden for that flock called the church of Jesus Christ. And so this would be neglected. Well, what about this? What about cowardice? Maybe cowardice is a reason that this is neglected. We live in a culture that does not like confrontation unless it's over the internet. It takes boldness to do the work of shepherding. It takes boldness. This is not the work of an intellectual bookworm who refuses to get face to face, eye to eye with people. 
Shepherding thrusts you into confrontation with people. Whether it's good confrontation, happy confrontation, or whether it's harder confrontation. But it thrusts you into that. And if you're a coward, and there's not a boldness there, you're unwilling to do that. You're unwilling to do that. So maybe that's a reason it can be neglected at times. Another reason, laziness or distractedness. There are warnings in the Bible about church leaders being lazy and church leaders being distracted. To engage the flock that you are to shepherd as a leader, it is going to cost you much time, strenuous effort. It's going to cost you, it's going to cost you sweat. Being lazy and distracted will pull you away from your duties to shepherd the flock of God which He purchased with His own blood. So maybe this is a reason it gets neglected. And I'll give you one more. No biblical church membership. Now I don't have time to dig in. You guys, a lot of you guys are very familiar with what I mean when I say biblical church membership. And if there is no biblical church membership, you don't know who your flock is. Does that make sense? Here, as we've walked into church membership at this church, I know, I have a list, it's in my bag right now, of 110 people that I'm called to care for, shepherds of their souls. And this, I know who the flock is because we, we know who the members are of this church. But if you don't have that, if there's a loose view or no view of biblical church membership, men get overwhelmed. They don't know who their flock even is to shepherd. And there's all kinds of mixture of lost and saved and we don't know who they are and so maybe this causes people to, be, to not be able to rightly shepherd the flock, okay? So this is a big deal, okay? It's a big deal. How many, how many elders do you think in that last day are going to get that scathing denunciation that you see in Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 5? Listen to it, listen. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? The weak you've not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them so they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Hear the weight of that? Now here's what I know walking into this. The leaders in Grace Community Church, myself and Dustin Cook, we have many weaknesses. And you imagine me and him trying to study these passages of Scripture and thinking through these things. You imagine that. We're studying. And so we're seeing what they're called to be. And at the same time, we're seeing abundance of weakness on our end over and over and over again. So we don't claim to have it all together. In fact, we say we have many weaknesses, many shortcomings. We feel trembling over the responsibilities that the Bible calls church leaders to. But at the same time, at the same time, I can speak from my heart when I say, I desire to lead Grace Community Church. Dustin desires to lead Grace Community Church well and with zeal and with passion and with diligence. With these things in mind, Okay, as we think about these things, we're about to turn into this passage of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5 that I just read, verse 1 through 4. Okay, with these things in mind. So we're going we're gonna to read kind of verse by verse these four verses. We're really, really going to focus in on verses 2 and 3. And we're really, really going to focus in even tighter on that one phrase in verse 2 that says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. 
Alright. So here's the first thing we need to ask. Let's read verse 1. I'm going to ask you a question. Verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that we will be revealed. Okay? So who is Peter addressing here? Is Peter writing... We know from chapter 1, verse 1, that he's writing to a whole region of, of Asia Modern. There's churches all over the place in this region. And he's writing a letter that's, that's supposed to go out to all this region, all these different churches. And he's writing to the elders. Notice how he just assumes that there's elders in these churches. He's writing to the elders in the churches scattered throughout this region that he's writing to, okay? He's writing to these local churches and to their elders. I want you to notice in verse 1 the importance of this topic. The importance of church leadership, okay? Understanding and obeying what the Bible says about church leadership, about this topic, is very important. I gave you reasons for that, several reasons for that, a couple weeks back when we gave an overview of this, okay? But now I want to give you reasons for that coming straight out of verse 1. So if I'm looking at verse 1, if I'm looking at this passage of Scripture, why is this topic so important? Why should we understand and obey and know what it says? And I'll say three things. Number one is this. Peter counts it important to specifically mention it in this letter. Okay, so he specifically, he's writing this letter to this whole region and he deems, it's very simple, he deems it important to specifically mention this group of men, elders, and exhort these elders. Okay, so I would take this to be very important. Number two is this. Notice the manner... Notice the manner in which Peter draws them in to the conversation. Notice the manner in verse 1 that Peter draws them in saying, listen, this is important. Okay, notice how he does it. First, he says this, I exhort you. I exhort you. He said, elders, listen to me. This whole letter is an exhortation. We know that from chapter 5, verse 12. And yet he says specifically right here to the elders, I am exhorting you right now. I'm beseeching you. I'm summoning you in. Listen to my words. This is very important. Then he says, I am a fellow elder. And you think about it. He could have just said, elders, shepherd the flock. But he says, elders, I exhort you. I'm a fellow elder. He's drawing them in. This is important. He's saying, I know what you're facing. I'm an elder too. I know what you're facing. I know what this is right. Listen to me. This is important. I can sympathize with you. The third thing he says, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He says, I was there when the chief shepherd was crucified. I'm a witness to it. I saw it. I'm an apostle of Jesus. Listen to me. These things I'm about to tell you about shepherding the flock are important. They're important. And then lastly, he says in verse 1, and also a partaker of the glory that we will be revealed. I'm going to be there. When the chief shepherd splits open the sky and he comes and he he gives that crown of glory to all those faithful shepherds, he says, I'm going to be there with you. Listen to me. Listen. This is an important thing I'm about to say to you, okay? Third reason you see in verse 1, or actually in this passage as a whole, that this is important. Because what you see in this passage is that God is going to take His blood-bought bride. You think about the weight of this statement. He's going to take His blood-bought bride and He's going to entrust her to men called elders. You see that in verse 3, right? Nor is being lords over those entrusted to you. 
those entrusted to you, elders, or the NAS says, those allotted to you, those who are allotted to you, those entrusted to you. Acts 20, 28, it says, shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. God purchased this bride, this flock with His own blood. Then He turns to men and He's going to say, here, it's, it's, I'm, I'm allotting them to you. I'm entrusting them to you. This is a big deal. This is important, okay? So, here's the question. As we move into verse 2, that main, that main charge. Here's the question. Peter, what in the world is so important? Okay? You've drawn our attention in in verse 1. You got our attention now. What's so important? What do you want to say, Peter? What do you want to say to us? In verse 2 it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. These group of men called elders are given the charge to shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the church. Okay? Elders are called here shepherds, which is that same word, Ephesians 4.11, for pastors. Pastors, same word as shepherds. So elders are called to pastor the church. Elders are called to shepherd the flock, this is the idea. They're, they're to look at the church. Leadership, they're to look at the church like sheep, and they're the shepherd that they're to, they're to shepherd the flock, okay? Now, this is Peter's main charge. And the reason why I say this is Peter's main charge, because everything else in verse 2 and 3 is going to explain how to do that. His charge is shepherd the church of God. And then everything else in those next couple of verses is going to say, here's how. You shepherd the church of God. Okay, so this phrase is going to be our main meditation over the rest of our time right now in the Word. Okay, that phrase, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. So let's answer this question first. Okay, here's a question. What is an elder called to shepherd? What is it? What are they called to shepherd? Okay, and it says right here, very simple, the flock of God. Now that's very obviously talking about the church. Acts 20, 28. It talks about taking heed to yourself and to the flock to shepherd the church of God. The flock is the church, okay? So who are they to shepherd? They're to shepherd the flock, the church. And I want you to notice that if you, if you go back and read Acts 20, 28, it says, take heed to yourself and to all the flock. All the flock. So it says, I want you to shepherd all the flock. It's a big point that Richard Baxter makes in that book I'm talking about. Shepherd all the flock. That is among you. He doesn't say shepherd part of that flock that is among you. He says shepherd all the flock in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Now, does this mean that pastors, elders have the responsibility to shepherd every believer in the universal church all over the world? Is that what it means? And I think you would say absolutely not. Okay? Right here in verse 2, it says, The flock of God which is where? Which is among you. And in verse 3, it says those allotted to you. The church of God which is among you. The church of God which is allotted to you. It's that local church. They're not looking. We're not saying they're to shepherd all the people, all believers in the universal church all over the world. This is, this is the, the church at Antioch had, the church at Antioch was allotted to a group of men called elders and they were to shepherd them. The church at Ephesus they were allotted to a group of elders and they were to shepherd them. The members of Grace Community Church have been allotted to the leadership of Grace Community Church. Think about it. And that's, I, want you, I say that because I want you to say that it's real. It's real. This is not just a high idea, a high concept. This is real. I'm talking 110 people on a list somewhere. Okay? You all have it in an email at least. 
Okay? And that's what I'm talking about. Allotted. Grace Community Church allotted to groups of leaders. Okay? Now, they're not, elders are not called to shepherd every single believer in all the world. I think you know that. It says those among them, those allotted to them. And here's what I want to revisit. Let's revisit in Acts 20, 28. I just said it. The word all. Okay? All. Take heed to, your, to yourself and to all the flock among which and the Holy Spirit's made you, made you overseers. And here's the way I think about it. 1 Peter 5.2 seems to make it plain that an elder, a pastor, is to have a, a lean, a care, a concern towards every member of the local church. Okay? But if that doesn't get it for, for you in 1 Peter 5, that Acts 20.28 20, really gets it, right? He says, take heed yourself into all the fuck. That's the idea. You see the same idea as a shepherd's role is explained in Matthew 18, verse 12. Listen to this. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not lead the ninety-nine to go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? That's the idea. Okay? A care for all one hundred sheep. None left behind. None left uncareful. This is the heart of an elder. This is the heart of a leader in a local church. The aim is caring for all, equipping all, knowing all of the flock that is trusted, entrusted to the elder. Everybody going with me there? Alright. The command in 1 Peter 5, 2. So I, the reason why I say that is because I don't want you to see it as a loose command or an unspecific charge that just means just... just you know, take care of anybody and everybody that's around, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. A leader in a local church should have a heart to care for all and to love all. That's for sure. There's no doubt about that. But there's this special lean in towards those that are allotted to them, to all the fuck that is allotted to them, that they have a responsibility. There's a weight of a responsibility on them for that specific flock. They will give an account for that flock. That's what I want you to see, and that's why I say these things. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want everybody in here, okay? Every single person in here, I want you to do something. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of an elder for a moment, okay? On everybody here, put yourself, after what you've heard in the Word, after you've heard the responsibility, shepherd the flock of God, put yourself in the shoes of an elder for just a moment, okay? Imagine you are an elder of Grace Community Church. You're a leader of Grace Community Church. There are 110 people entrusted to you by God. Imagine yourself, put yourself in those shoes. 110 people entrusted to you by God. God has specifically charged you, shepherd that flock. He specifically charged you, shepherd all of that flock. Shepherd all of that flock, which I purchased with my own blood, and which I have allotted to you. Okay, are you there? Are you there? Now how would you respond to that? How would you respond to that? How would you respond to this charge? How would this affect the way you shepherd and oversee this flock? How would it, how would it affect the way you pursue this flock? To pursue knowing this flock. How would it affect that? How would it affect your prayer life over this flock? How would it affect the way you teach this flock? How would it affect the way you pursue them when they go astray or strengthen them when they're weak? How would it affect you if you knew this? How would it affect you when you think about comforting the brokenhearted or, or caring for those who are going astray or correcting those who are sinning? How would it affect you as this responsibility lands on your shoulders? How would it affect you? Okay, I want you to put yourself there. So now, okay, so here you are. 
You're feeling that? You know, responsibility, you're there. You're putting yourself in the shoes of an elder. And what I want to do is I want to add another layer to this, okay? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Just listen to it. Just listen to it. Hebrews 13, 17. Listen. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. You're charged. Are you in the shoes? You're charged to shepherd the flock of God over which you're going to give an account one day to God. You're going to stand, account, stand to give an account before the God of the universe for those entrusted to you, for those allotted to you. How serious would you take this responsibility? If you saw this, how serious would you take this responsibility? How zealously would you pursue knowing this flock? How persistently would you pursue those who are going astray? How diligently would you prepare to teach this flock? How passionately would you instruct them in season and out of season? How fiercely would you defend them against ravenous wolves? How lovingly would you invite them into your lives? How many tears would you cry over those who are wounded? How infuriated, infuriated would you be when the enemy sneaks in the back door and does something outside your sight? How would this affect you? And I say these things because I cannot understand for the life of me. I can't understand how people, how men can enter into this sort of role. And they can take it lightly. How they can enter into this sort of role. And they can sit by idly as false teachers devour. As sin devours the people of God that they are called to shepherd. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. There's coming a day, according to Hebrews 13, 17... When those unfaithful, uncaring shepherds, they're going to wish that those flock were never given into their trust. And I'll tell you this, I tremble at the thought. I tremble at that thought. So, an elder who doesn't know the flock well, doesn't go after that. This is not the biblical picture of elderships. Now we're talking about, so what is the biblical picture? What is the picture here, okay? I think of a man, give you a few things here. I think of a man who can hardly sleep at night. He's weeping by his bedside over these people that he so cares for. And at the same time, he preaches to himself promises, precious promises like, like Jesus when he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail, prevail against it so that he can sleep. Or I think about a man who has a deep concern for the flock like Paul. 2 Corinthians 11. What comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. Who's weak and I'm not weak? Who's not made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? That's what I think about. Or I think about someone like Jesus who looks after His flock with tender love and He says things like Jesus did towards Jerusalem. Listen to this, Matthew 23, 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. I think a laborer, I think of a laborer in the kingdom of God who longs to see the, the flock that's been entrusted to him happy in Christ Jesus. Who longs to see them fighting the battles of the advancement of the kingdom of God. And they're willing to labor in birth pains until it's true. Galatians chapter 4 verse 9. Verse 19. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. You see it? This is the picture we're talking about. Okay? Here's what I want to do. 
We're going to get practical for a minute, okay? Just getting practical. What does practical shepherding look like? What does practical shepherding look like? Let's dig into the, the biblical imagery. There's imagery given here, okay? The imagery of a shepherd and a flock. That's imagery. You're supposed to see something. When you see that, if you know anything about shepherding, you're supposed to see something. There's links that are supposed to be made as this imagery is given, okay? So let's think about this imagery. And I want to give you a few things. A shepherd feeds his flock. A shepherd knows his flock. A shepherd guides his flock. A shepherd protects his flock. A shepherd pursues his flock. Let's dig into those for a minute. A shepherd feeds his flock, okay? Only the flock of Jesus does not eat with their mouth. They eat with their ears. They eat with their hearts, okay? Yeah, I got a verse right here, Jeremiah 3.15. I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. This means that a major role of a shepherd is feeding the flock, putting the Word of God before them. The Word of God rightly divided before them. This is, this is the example. Acts 20 verse 20, Paul says this. And Paul's given his example in Acts 20 of shepherding so that he can tell these elders at, at Ephesus how to shepherd. And here's what he says. I taught you publicly and from house to house. I taught you publicly. This main tool of shepherding, the Word of God. I taught you publicly and from house to house. A shepherd ought to be devoted to feeding the flock of God publicly. From house to house. Over lunch breaks. Over coffee. Early in the morning. Late at night. He's devoted to taking the Word of God and putting it before the flock to eat it. Eat the Word of God and be fed. Now, practically, okay, I don't want to spend much time there because Dustin spoke on that mostly last week. About teaching the Word of God. He mainly spoke about teaching it in this corporate setting. Okay? But practically, what can you do to help with this? As you think through shepherds of the flock, Grace Community Church, what can you do to help with this? How, could, how should the church respond to the shepherd's role to feed the flock? How should they respond? Number one is this. Be at the gatherings where the Word of God is being taught. Hebrews 10, verse 24, 25. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Be there. The Word of God's going forward. You know that your, your shepherds are preparing the Word of God to feed the flock. That's what they're doing. Be there when the church meets. The second thing is this. It's just more of an attitude of being teach, teachable. In a general sense, just being teachable. Not prideful. Not a prideful listener that says like 1 Corinthians 12. I have no need of you. I have no need of you. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. Not a proper listener. Not an irresponsible listener. Proverbs says a fool believes every word. Not an irresponsible listener. That's not what we're talking about. Not a lazy listener. Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Not a lean back listener of the Word of God. Not philosophical hearers of the Word of God that just enjoy hearing cool things taught. But rather walk into it with a heart to obey God. Proverbs 1.23 says, turn at my rebuke. He says, you have a heart to turn at my rebuke. And when you do, he says, surely I'll pour out my spirit on you and make my words known to you. So be teachable in this sense. Be teachable, okay? Second thing, a shepherd knows his flock. A shepherd knows the flock, okay? Proverbs 27.23, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Or in John 14.10, we get an example of Jesus as the good shepherd. Listen to John 14.10. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. 
A shepherd knows the flock in such a way that when one goes astray from the 99, he knows it. And he pursues that one, okay? Now, this is very countercultural. You know that. Most people, when they've been and, and growing up in this area, you've thought of church leadership and you've mainly thought of one man who stands on stage every week that you don't know and they don't know you. And that's, that's what most people have in their culture, not shepherds that are in their lives and know them well and they know them and they're open to this sort of thing, okay? Now, how do we pursue that at Grace Community Church? How do we pursue that here? Getting practical on this, okay? Uh, many ways that we don't have time to go into, but I'll just mention a few things. The gatherings of the church is obvious, right? The gatherings of the church, when we gather up on Sunday, it's impossible to you know, have these conversations with everybody, know everybody, but there's an aim in that. There's an aim in that of knowing the flock and being known by the flock on those days. There are other gatherings that go down. For example, my house at Tuesday nights, there's a Bible study. There's other studies and uh, groups that meet together in this sort of way. Okay, These are ways we want to take full advantage of knowing each other in this, but a shepherd goes after knowing the flock. Another way it happens is like this. Hospitality. Hospitality. Having people into your home. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it says, An elder, a pastor, synonymous there, they must be hospitable. It's literally, it's a requirement, it's a qualification. Okay? And so I say that, that's one way we want to pursue that. People into the homes of those who would be, who are church leaders now, or who would be church leaders in the future. Uh, smaller groupings together, groupings together to pray, groupings together to study the Word, groupings together for specific purposes. These things happen all across the board. One-on-ones, <coughs> one-on-ones, whether they're regular, making disciples, pouring the Word of God in, or whether it's not quite so regular. It's meeting to catch up with somebody over lunch or something along those lines. Calls, texts, using every means available to try to know the flock. <clears throat> This is something that we want to go after. So you get, if you get a text from me, it says, how can I pray for you? I'm for real. I really want to know. How can I pray for you? Okay. Every means necessary to do that. Now, obviously, obviously, as you think about applying these things, obviously a leader of a local church of almost any size cannot know everyone to the exact same degree. Obviously. In fact, you think of the impossibility of that. 110 members of Grace Community Church. If I could just get, you know, an hour with each person every week, that's 110 hours in that week. Now, while So obviously you can't know every person to the exact same degree. This is where plurality of leadership, as we've talked about, comes in handy. This is where leading men, uh, leading women among the church, that's where it comes in handy, where this happens and we work together on this. There's some people that Dustin knows better than I do. There's some people I know better than he does. There's, There's things like this that happen, but we go after, we want to go after knowing the flock. That's the idea, okay? Um, What can you do to help? How can you help with this? As the flock of Jesus Christ, how can you help? Here's some things to think about. I'm going to say it again. Be at the gatherings, but this I'm going to say it like this. With an aim to relationship. Be at the gatherings with an aim to relationships, okay? Uh, be knowable. Uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, be open. Be open. We ourselves are open. And be aggressive. Be on the offense about knowing us. I'll tell you this. The leaders of this church, and I hope any in the future, and missionaries sent out to the ends of the earth, they want to be known. We want to press against this mindset. Uh, John Piper wrote a book called Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. Pushing on this thing in our culture, this is CEO mindset of church leadership. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we want to press against that. So, 
So be aggressive in that. Be on the offensive and getting to know your leadership. Okay. Third thing is this. A shepherd guides his flock. Psalm 23, verse 1 through 3, it gives a picture of a shepherd. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. It goes on to say, He leads me beside still waters. He guides me. He leads me in the path of righteousness or He guides me. So shepherd guides the flock. They guide the flock by example, their own example. They guide the flock by advice and counsel from their words. Okay? A shepherd guides the flock by walking out in front as an example. You see that in verse 3. Last few words, being examples to the flock. But a spiritual shepherd, not only by example, but by advice, by counsel. Listen to Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Or Proverbs 24, verse 6 says, For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. So the idea here is a shepherd, a spiritual shepherd, shepherds the flock by example and by this advice and this counsel coming from the Word of God. Okay, so how can you help with this? How can you practically, as a church of Jesus Christ, respond to this? Whether you're here or whether you move off somewhere and you're in any part of church anywhere, how can you respond to this sort of thing? And I would say one thing you can do is you can feel wide open. No professionalism, no CEO stuff. You can feel wide open to come with counsel and advice. You could come to get counsel and advice from your leaders. You can do that. Wide open to do that. Now, we might not always have the best advice. But we know where to take you to the source that has the greatest advice ever. And we will pray our hearts out for you. Okay? But do that, okay? We want to come hard against professionalism. Next thing. A shepherd protects the flock from ravenous wolves. A shepherd protects the flock. We're still walking in this imagery here. A shepherd protects the flock from ravenous wolves. Listen to Acts 20, 28 again. Take heed to yourselves, elders, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Listen. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So oftentimes today, the pastor is seen as the smooth type who gets along with everyone and offends no one. He's seen as a Mr. Rogers who's just very kind to everyone but doesn't want to step out in such a way that anybody might be rubbed wrong. He wants to make Christianity acceptable to all. Okay, Now, but let me do something. Let me put before you one who is a protector of the flock. One that has an angry side. Let me put him before you. One who is ready to go to war over the flock that has been entrusted to them. One who refuses to sit by idly. As false teaching goes forward and false teachers speak, they will not sit idly and let the sheep be scattered and the sheep be destroyed. I, that's what I want to put before you, okay? And I can't do it <clears throat> better than A.W. Tozer. Listen to this quote from A.W. Tozer. I just want to give this to you. I think you'll like it. Listen to his words. If Christianity is to receive a rejuvenation, it must be by other means than any now being used. There must appear a new type of preacher. The proper ruler of the synagogue type will never do. Neither will the priestly type of man who carries out his duties, takes his pay and asks no questions. Nor the smooth talking pastoral type who knows how to make the Christian religion acceptable to everyone. All, this, all these have been tried and found wanting. 
Another kind of religious leader must arise among us. He must be the old prophet type. A man who has seen visions of God and has heard a voice from the throne. When he comes, he will stand in flat contradiction to everything our smirking, smooth civilization holds dear. He will contradict, denounce, and protest in the name of God and will earn the hatred and opposition of a large segment of Christendom. Such a man is likely to be lean, rugged, blunt-spoken, and a little bit angry with the world. He, he will love Christ. He will love Christ in the souls of men to the point of willingness to die for the glory of the one and for the salvation of the other. And he will fear nothing that breathes with mortal breath. Oh, that God in Grace Community Church would raise up and send out elders like that all over this world. All over this world. Elders who won't remain silent when the sheep's being attacked, but they blow the trumpet like the watchman in Ezekiel 33. Last one's this. A shepherd lovingly, <clears throat> a shepherd lovingly and persistently pursues those who go astray. A shepherd love, we're still in that imagery, last piece of that imagery. A shepherd lovingly and persistently pursues the sheep that go astray. Now this might be the hardest duty of the elder. This might be his hardest duty. And it's surely the duty that brings him the most trouble in the flesh. This is the duty that brings him the most trouble in the flesh. It produces the most sadness. It produces the most anxiety. It, elicits, it sometimes elicits slanderous responses from those to whom they pursue. But it must be done. Listen to the Word of God. James 5.19 Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Or listen to Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And if this is the calling of all brethren to pursue those who go to show you who are spiritual, restore such a one. If that's the calling of all, how much more those called by God as shepherds of the flock, entrusted, allotted to them, the flock of God, how much more is this a part of their duty to go after withingly and persistently toward those who go astray? A shepherd who is motivated by love for his brothers and sisters. That's the picture. A shepherd motivated by love for his brothers and sisters. He will not sit idly by as sin destroys them. As sin moves them away. Sometimes it's an unwanted duty. Sometimes it's unwanted on the one who is being pursued. I think this is the reason 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19. Paul tells Timothy, don't receive an accusation against an elder unless it's against two or three witnesses. Unless it's by two or three witnesses. I think this is one of the reasons why, because part of the, in the, the very nature of pursuing those who are going astray, the very nature of that elicits at times accusations in different, in different manners. So how can you help with this? How can you rightly respond to that function of elders? How can you? Okay? Here's a way you can respond. Know this and see this as a good thing. That elders, pastors in the church are going to want to dig into your life. They're going to want to dig in. They're going to want to ask you questions and see how your soul is. They want to ask you questions like, how's your time in the Word? Or how's your prayer life? Or even harder questions that get down into motives and dealing with sin. They're going to want to dig in your life. And I encourage you to see that as a good thing. And as I've already said, be open. 
Be open. Don't be offended by questioning. Don't be offended by questions. Consider this sort of digging as good for your soul. And consider this sort of digging as motivated by love. Consider it that way. Also, let me give you this. How can you respond? Receive correction like the wise man of Proverbs 9.8. Listen to Proverbs 9.8. Listen to the wise man. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. So respond like the wise man there. Rebuke a wise man. He will love you. The wise man will love you when you come to him in correction. Or let me say it another way. Pray this. Pray the prayer of David in Psalm 141 verse 4. Let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. Pray that sort of prayer. Don't let pride hinder you. Don't ever let pride hinder you from responding well to correction. Not just from elders, but from anybody. But then specifically in this role of elders. Don't let pride keep you from responding rightly to this. In fact, let me give you this verse real quick. In Hebrews 13, 17. I want to read this again, but I want to finish it out. Listen. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls. Soul watchers. That's the picture. Watching out for souls. They watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Listen to this. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. So there's a way that this task can be done grievously. Okay? And he's saying, don't let that happen. Because it's not profitable for you. It's not profitable for anybody in the church when it's done the way. Let this be done with joy is the picture here. In Hebrews 13. So, and last thing I'll say about how to respond to that is be forbearing, right? Be forgiving. You know why? Because elders are men. Men make sinful mistakes. Men make discretionary mistakes. Men make mistakes. So be forgiving. Be, be forbearing. Give the benefit of the doubt. Be slow to assume bad motives. Be slow to receive accusation. Be willing to yield. Moldable. And pray. Pray for your leadership in the local church. Pray for those who lead you. So, here's what we've done. Okay? We've spent a lot of time here. We have dug extensively into the imagery and, and among other things, of that one phrase, shepherd the church of God, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. We've dug extensively into that. Now, we're going to look at the rest of that charge in a much quicker fashion. We're going to hit it more like a blanket, a much quicker fashion. Chapter 5, verse 2, you're still there, 1 Peter 5, 2. It says, serving as overseers. So shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Oversight is what an elder is called to. Overseeing, looking over, overseeing, looking over the flock, giving direction, strengthening perceived weaknesses. Moving towards words and heart and action that glorify the chief shepherd of the flock. The word overseer is very compatible with the word in the Old Testament, watchman. A watchman, one who looks over, a watchman to the flock. So let me, before moving on, let me read one Old Testament verse to you about the watchman. The watchman of the flock. Listen, Isaiah 62 verse 6. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. Give Him no rest till He establishes and until He makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. 
I love that picture of a watchman that keeps going to God and gives God no rest until Grace Community Church is a praise in the earth. It's the picture of a watchman. Now, after charging the elders to shepherd the flock, serving as overseers, Peter gives three, three positive negatives or negative positives to pinpoint how this should be done. So, so what we're doing now, shepherd the flock, serving as overseers, how? How should this be done? And we get a negative and a positive. Don't do this, do it like this. Don't do this, do it like this. Don't do this, do it like this. Here it is in verse 2 and 3. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So we have three negatives here that should never describe an elder in a local church. Not by compulsion, not for dishonest gain, nor as being lords over the flock. The first one is a prod in an elder's life against that temptation to love ease and comfort and laziness. Not by compulsion. Nobody should have to compel you to do this. Do it willingly. The second one is a prod against an elder's temptation to love money. Don't do this for money, but do it eagerly. Not, by, not for dishonest gain. The third one is a prod against an elder's temptation to pride in the love of power. Not as those lording it over the flock, but being examples to the flock instead. So not by compulsion. Not by compulsion. Must an elder be compelled to do his, do his job, to do his work? No. It's willingly is what flows out of this. This is a challenge against lazy leadership. This is a challenge against uh, being motivated by ease and by comfort in this life. It's Isaac Watts who said something like this. Should I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? I say, God forbid. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't pursue ease. And it says, not for dishonest gain. Shepherds should beware of the spirit of a hireling who just does what he does for gain, for money, and for pay. This is a warning that's needful for us in our day. It Just as much, if not more, as it was needful when Peter wrote it down, but it's needful in our day. The lust of money and stuff is rampant. Materialism is everywhere in this culture. Let us heed the warning of the Old Testament towards the leaders of Jerusalem. Listen, Micah 3.11. Her heads judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for money, for pay. Her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is it not the Lord among us? No harm can come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins. Let us heed that sort of warning. We don't do what we do for a paycheck. You don't do what you do for a paycheck, but you do it eagerly because God has called you to this and because you love the flock of God which He's given to your allotment. And the last one there says, nor is being lords over. Now Peter just took this language straight from Jesus. Nor is being lords over those entrust you. Lords over. He took that from Jesus. Just exactly what Jesus said. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 to 44. Listen to what Jesus said. Same thing. You will know, excuse me, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. They lord it over them. 
and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. The mark of leadership should never be domineering to the flock. It should never be this overbearing, domineering, love to have the power, love to have the preeminence, love the recognition of being elder, love to be called teacher, teacher. That should never, ever, ever be the motivation. Instead, let a leader desire to get down low and be a servant to the flock. That's the example. Not lording over, being examples to the flock. 1 Peter 5.3 Jesus says, not lording it over, but being a slave to all. Being a servant to all. Alright, so let's wrap it up. Okay? Let's wrap this up in kind of a phrase, a comment here. Peter's charge to the elders, what stands for all time, Peter's charge to the elders is shepherd the flock of God which is among you. Now how should they do it? How should they do it? Not greedy for ease and comfort. Not greedy for money. Not greedy for power and recognition and esteem. But elders are men who willingly and earnestly shepherd the flock of God, serving as a slave before them to lift them up and build them up. This is the picture of a pastor. They get down low and they wash feet. Finally, let me say this, okay? Finally, in verse 4, you get to this. You know, Peter aims to encourage these faithful leaders. Those leaders who are faithful. Peter aims to encourage them right here. Okay, He wants to encourage them. In verse 4, let's read it. And when the, she- when the chief shepherd appears, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That's an encouraging promise to faithful leaders. It's an encouraging promise. So may our God raise up elders pastors in this church for many generations and to send out to the nations that can stand before their Savior, the chief shepherd one day, and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, and receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. May God raise that up and out of this church over and over and over again. Now let's end our talk similar but not the same to the way we ended talking about the overview of church leadership a couple weeks back, okay? Let's end our talk by pondering the greatest leader of them all. It says in verse 4, chief shepherd. That means the head shepherd. That means all other shepherds, including the shepherds of this flock, are under shepherds. He is the chief shepherd. So let's end our time glorying in the chief shepherd. There's one who is chief shepherd of Grace Community Church. Do you know that? There's one who's chief shepherd of Grace Community Church. He went as a lamb to the slaughter for our sin. And he rose from the dead as the chief shepherd of this flock called the church. I want you to glory over him with me for just a moment, okay? Let's compare him to your weak, you have weak under shepherds. Let's compare the chief shepherd to your weak under shepherds. Your earthly shepherds have weaknesses, but the chief shepherd has no weaknesses. Your earthly shepherds have obvious faults, but the chief shepherd is faultless and perfect in every single way. And he's the chief shepherd of Grace Community Church. 
Your earthly shepherds have sinful natures that we battle against. But the chief shepherd, though he's tempted in every way like we are, he remains perfect and clean and sinless and faultless forever. Your earthly shepherds, they sometimes make faulty decisions. But the chief, the chief shepherd will never ever fail you in wisdom and knowledge. And in his sovereign way, he even uses the faulty decisions of your under shepherds to advance his kingdom and for his glory. Your earthly shepherds love you. That's for sure. Be sure about that. But our love does not compare to the love of Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd who expressed his love for you at the cross when he went to the cross in your behalf. The earthly shepherds that you have will take a bullet for you. But the chief shepherd took the wrath of God for you. Your earthly shepherds can sympathize with your pain. But it's limited. We're limited limited in our ability to sympathize with your pain. But the chief shepherd was wounded for your transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities. He bore your grief. He carries your sorrows. He can sympathize completely. Your earthly shepherds love you too much to let sin go unchecked in your life. But your chief shepherd made a way to obliterate sin in your life completely in eternity as he died for it at the cross. Your earthly shepherds cannot promise you to be with you through every single season. But but the chief shepherd gives you this unshakable promise. I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your earthly shepherds do not know what the future holds. But the the chief shepherd sees all things. Nothing is hidden from his sight. And by the way, he works every single thing for the good of you who are called in Christ Jesus. Every single thing. According to Romans 8.28. Your earthly shepherds can be consistent in prayer for you. And consistent in giving you advice But your chief shepherd intercedes for you continually. There's no stop to it. And he invites you in. He invites you in to commune with him at any time. Your earthly shepherds have the authority to lead the local church. But your chief shepherd has all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority in heaven and on earth. Your earthly shepherds can protect you from false teachers. And from sin. But the chief shepherd has destroyed it all at the very root of it. The Son of Man was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Something we can never do. Your earthly shepherds want to be available to you. But the chief shepherd, he's even more available to you. He invites you to come away with him to a secret place at any time you want. Your earthly shepherds, will fight tooth and nail to build up Grace Community Church. But the chief shepherd has left us with an unshakable promise. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Let's pray. Father, thank You that we can open Your Word. And I pray, God, that You would raise up. You would raise up many shepherds in this church. And I pray, God, that for many generations, long after we're dead and gone that are here, 
that You would let us be, if, if You tear Your coming, God, that You would let us be a church that brings You glory and worships You, God, for many generations to come with faithful leadership and faithful flock. God, I pray that You would allow us, You would raise up leaders like this to send out to the nations. God, I pray You plant leaders that raise up more leaders like this all over the earth, God, especially, especially, God, use us in the unreached places in this earth. Use us in those places where they have no gospel, they have no church. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.